What about gratitude? How do you practice it? Or do you more often forget? Welcome to episode 267 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Lucy, Eric, and Catherine. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Lucy, Eric, and Catherine, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. I want to open by reading from her book, How Al-Anon Works. This is from Chapter 10, Changed Attitudes. The section is titled, Gratitude. Actively practicing gratitude is one way we can promote attitude adjustment. Instead of taking for granted the many blessings in our lives, we make a point to mentally acknowledge them until doing so becomes a habit. Writing them down in a gratitude list and then reading the list to our sponsor or sharing it with other al members helps us realize that there are many things in our lives for which we are truly grateful. In times of distress, we may see little for which to be thankful, but if we make the effort, we are certain to find a few and thereby shed some light on an otherwise dreary view. Sometimes it helps to start with our most basic or immediate needs, food on the table, a roof over our heads, and clothing. We may then find that we are grateful for more modest incidents and gestures, kind words, Al-Anon friends, a bit of humor in an otherwise serious situation, a moment of serenity, or an indication that we are beginning to heal. Gratitude enables us to savor the unrecognized good that surrounds us no matter what the circumstances. As we become accustomed to noticing the positive aspects of our lives, We begin to recognize small, subtle gifts and cloaked opportunities when they appear in our day-to-day experience. Eventually, as we continue to practice, we actually do find something to be grateful for, even in painful or difficult situations. We replace our victim mentality with an attitude of gratitude. Instead of feeling drained, overwhelmed, and stressed by the circumstances we encounter, we begin to feel empowered and capable of coping even flourishing, because we have learned that our higher power can use every situation, every relationship, every experience to enhance our lives and to foster strength, faith, and personal growth. Thus, everyone and everything has a special gift to offer us. We need only open our eyes to see it. Well, I got to say, although I agree with a lot of what's in that reading, I'm not there. I'm not to the place where everyone and everything has a special gift to offer me. I'm not there where My higher power uses every situation, every relationship, every experience to enhance my life and foster strength, faith, and personal growth. But it is good to read those words and to recognize that that is possible. I think, yeah. So I was at two meetings this week, back to back, well, two days in a row, where I was reminded of the importance of practicing gratitude in my life. Saturday morning, as is our practice once a month, we were working from the Al-Anon four-step workbook, The Blueprint for Progress, and we always read a few questions from the book and then share our own responses to those questions. For a number of months now, we've been working through the chapter titled Character Traits, which balances a couple of, of traits and, and has some questions a bit so that you know we can help to see where we are in that balance between those traits, right? This weekend, the headings were thankful or ungrateful. And the questions under that heading, am I thankful for present blessings? Have I ever made a list of things I am grateful for? 
do I take time to express my thanks to my higher power? So the particular copy of the workbook that I'm working from, I filled it out in around 2012, around the time this podcast started, actually. And I wrote very short answers to those questions. I wrote yes, yes, and not often. But when I was sitting there on Saturday looking at those questions, I realized that that, those answers weren't really true for me today, that I had moved away from a regular practice of gratitude, that I had been spending time focusing on the things that were not going well in my life. And I was, to some extent, allowing those to to dominate my attitude. So I can look out, and I did look out of the window at the meeting, and the sun was shining, and there's a bright yellow tree right outside the window. And, you know, I can be thankful in that moment for that thing. And then I can go back to worrying about my kids, my job, my health, my parents, my parents' health, all those fun things. And not not carry that feeling of well-being with me. Yeah. Second question, have I ever made a list of things I'm grateful for? Well, I have done that. I have done that many times. Sometimes a long list. For several years, I made a an A to Z gratitude list at, at Thanksgiving. So 26 things that I was grateful for. One, starting with A, starting with B, etc. I haven't done that in a couple of years. Hmm. I haven't even really made short gratitude lists. I used to use that as a tool to go to sleep. I would just start listing off gratitudes in my head as I was lying there restless at night. And invariably, I would fall asleep before I ran out of things to be grateful for. And I usually had good good dreams when I did that too. Haven't been keeping up that practice. Do I take time to express my thanks to my higher power? Well, not very often. That My relationship with my higher power is iffy, I guess. Um, I know that my higher power speaks to me. I listen in meetings. I listen when I read. I listen to podcasts, some recovery, some just about life. And I do hear messages from my higher power. I'm not so good at talking back. Um, and I don't know, maybe maybe listening is more important for me than, than talking. I don't know. But the point of expressing thanks to my higher power is not that my higher power needs the attaboy or whatever. Hey, God, you really did a good job with the fall color this year. It's about me. When I take time to stop and focus on the things I'm thankful for and to express those things, that's prayer for me. That helps me. You know, it's not about helping God. It's about helping me. So there was some good discussion at the meeting, too. Um, a number of people talking about their gratitude practices. One member shared, they have a, a little spiral notebook with, I think they said, 12 lines per page. And every day they write six things they're grateful for. Over the years, they filled up three of these little notebooks. That's a lot of gratitudes. And I gotta, I gotta believe it changes their attitude. The the person speaking obviously found it helpful. So when I came out of the meeting, I created myself an Evernote notebook titled Six Gratitudes," and so far it's got one note in it. So you know, we'll see how it goes. It, it at least can remind me. Oh yeah, six gratitudes. Let me let me write down six gratitudes for today. Let me think about six gratitudes for today. I'm grateful that I'm awake. 
that I got enough sleep last night, that I have time to record this podcast this morning, that I was able to make myself a cup of coffee and and some toast with cheese for breakfast, and that I have a, a nice, soft, warm sweater on because it's a little chilly today. And I could be bummed because it's raining, or I can be grateful that I have the ability to to stay warm. There we go. I think that was six. I'll try to remember to write those down afterwards. Another member said they make they have a gratitude jar. And every time there's some little or big thing that they're grateful for, they write it on a piece of paper and put it in the jar. And then once a year, they dump everything out of the jar and read through all the gratitudes that they had put in the jar for the year. And that this just is such a ch- an attitude changer, a day brightener for them. It's just amazing to read through there and, and see all the things that I was grateful for. And that sounds like kind of a cool thing. I don't, I don't know if it's something I'm going to try, but it, uh, if it sounds good to you, give us a, give it a try. Let us know how it works for you. And another member said that they had heard gratitude is an antidote to fear. I hadn't thought about it that way. I can sort of see how that's true. It's, it's hard to be fearful and grateful at the same time. Um, so practicing gratitude maybe can drive out fear, especially that sort of diffuse anxiety fear that I can be prone to that's not really focused on a particular event or thing, but it's just like sitting there quietly swirling in the pit of my stomach and finding some gratitude, something to be thankful for in the day, in the moment, can just help to to push that away. So that was a good meeting. And then, Sunday night, we read from the book One Day at a Time in Al-Anon, the November 4th reading, which for me sort of highlights an opposite trait to gratitude. So I'll read read this. An Al-Anon member once remarked, that the main source of our unhappiness is that we ourselves don't know what we want. We think we're dissatisfied with what we have, with the way we live, and the way other people act toward us. He suggested that each person dig down deep to see what we really feel would bring us contentment. If this self-searching reveals only that we are disgruntled because we feel we deserve a better car, a bigger house, or more money, we must dig still deeper for the real cause. Is it envy of others? Is it our inability to enjoy fully what we do have? Do we, in defense of our own shortcomings, look for excuses to blame others? And when that was first read at the beginning of the meeting, I was like, "Eh, I don't know. So I had to take the book and, and read it again to myself. And to see that, in a very real way, this is the opposite attitude to gratitude. That when I am dissatisfied with my life, when I'm dissatisfied with myself, I'm not practicing gratitude. And then, in fact, practicing gratitude can can help change that attitude. The other thing that came to me and that I shared in the meeting was that Alanon gives me tools for this examination to say, well, what what's really going on here? What What am I dissatisfied about? What am I disgruntled with? I love that word. Because we have these tools of inventory and then being able to ask for help to make changes, to change ourselves. Such a, such a great tool, such a great thing that we discovered in these programs that we can 
really look honestly at ourselves, and then we can change. How about that? Huh? And then somebody else shared about it's the season at many of our jobs where we do annual performance appraisals, and I realized that I had exhibited another aspect of, of this reading recently where I lead a team and I was asked to write uh, contributing reviews for several members of the team. And I had no problem writing very positive reviews, honest, but positive reviews of those members of my team. But I still haven't written my own self-evaluation because I, quotes know that I'm going to write negative things about myself, that I am not happy with in in total. I mean, there, there are things that I feel good about what I did this year, but there are things that I feel like I really did not perform up to my expectation of myself. And there you go, expectation. Not in the reading, but that is a source of uh, all kinds of woes for me. Expectations about myself, expectations about other people. And so there was a, a great insight that came to me in that meeting that you know, I am not evaluating myself on the same scale that I'm evaluating the people around me, that I'm I'm harsher on myself. So maybe I can go in today and actually finish that self-evaluation, keeping a more positive attitude as I'm writing it. I'll let you know. I'm talking about gratitude today, and it's not, I think, a coincidence that we're in the month of November, which in the United States... Towards the end of the month, we have our holiday of Thanksgiving. Many of us take some time on Thanksgiving to think about the things we're thankful for, the things that we're grateful for. As I said in the past, and I have occasionally written a, a gratitude list, and I've you know shared it in this podcast, uh, shared it with friends and family on Facebook sometimes. I will try to do that again this year. But what I want to do is I want to hear from you. What what things, what events, what people what what's in your life right now that you're grateful for big or small and how does expressing that gratitude change your attitude please write please call you can call us at 734-707-8795 you can email feedback at therecovery.show or you can visit our contact page at therecovery.show/contact for all of the different ways in which you can share your voice in our conversation here. And what I'd like to do is to put together an episode around Thanksgiving composed of your expressions of gratitude. So please, no matter how small, no matter how short or long, please call or write. And let's put together a huge expression of gratitude this year. Thank you. So I always try to think about my week, how I used recovery in my week, or how maybe sometimes I could have used recovery tools and principles in my week. And the thing that comes to my mind first is something that happened at work. As I said, work is the place where I have the most interaction with other people and thus the most opportunity to express my shortcomings or my strengths. And this week, uh, some of my shortcomings came out kind of in spades. One of my coworkers, we were in a group meeting and this coworker was asking a question about how to proceed with something. And I responded very strongly and forcefully and talked over the person, interrupted, 
said, no, 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 this is, this is not what you should be doing. You should be doing this other thing. Didn't let them actually finish until another coworker said, Hey, you know, let them finish saying what they're trying to say, then respond. And even then I, I still responded sort of angrily and loudly. And, you know, I didn't feel good about it at the time. It was one of those things, like I didn't really know how to stop. And so I took some time to reflect on what was going on there and knew that I needed to make some amends, make an apology to at least the coworker that I was yelling at and, you know, thinking about it, really the whole group, which I haven't done. I did, I wanted to, to talk to the person, but they immediately went off to a meeting. So eventually I sent them a, a message saying, look, I, I'm apolo- I, want, I need to apologize for, for talking at you and over you this morning, for not listening to you. And let's see if we can get together so that I can hear exactly what you're saying. And the person wrote back and said, thank you for that. Um, I was feeling very like I did something wrong, which I'm pretty sure is what I would have gotten from the way I was talking if I had been on the other end of it. And then in our team meeting that afternoon, I think we about spent about 45 minutes as a team talking about this question. So the answer was not nearly as simple as I thought it was when I was yelling. I am I'm grateful that I was able to use these tools, use step 10 in particular, the principles of making amends to come back a little bit. Um, but it also made me realize that I'm feeling a lot of stress from a number of different things, from work, from my parents, which I talk about too much here, I'm sure. You know, the weather, it was gray and gloomy and that doesn't help. That puts me down a little bit, all these things. So I'm feeling stress. Well, if I need to recognize that I'm feeling stress and do something to address that, you know, make a gratitude list, okay? Just take a minute to meditate, maybe two or three, who knows? Rather than having it come out sideways on the people around me. So it was a little bit of a wake up and I am still thinking about what, what I can do so that Ideally, so that I don't feel so stressed. But if, if I can't do that, and I think I can do that to some extent, what can I do to, so that it doesn't come out on everybody around me like it did this week? Upcoming next week, I'm going to be out of town for the weekend. I'll be accompanying some high school age youth to a weekend conference. And as such, uh, we'll probably not be able to make a, uh, make a full episode. And so what I'm going to do is instead I'll share with you Mary Pearl T on step four. I've been hearing from several of you that you're enjoying those episodes and so am I. So there we go. Next, So next week, Mary Pearl T on step four. Upcoming, uh, depending on your contributions, a gratitude, Gratitude's 2018 episode. Really, really would love to share all of the things that you're thankful for in this year, in this moment. Thank you. Thank you in advance. Again, call and leave a voicemail, 734-707-8795. There's a voicemail button on the website. You can join the conversation directly from your computer, or you can send email to feedback at therecovery.show. We do have a website, which is therecovery.show, which has notes for each episode, where I share also the readings, 
so that you can go back and find them yourself. Links to actually buy the books at Alanon or Amazon, depending on the book. So check out the website, therecovery.show. It has all the information about the show, including a contact page with many different ways to contribute your voice. Love to hear from you. And speaking of hearing from you, we got some emails this week. Catherine wrote, thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And, and thank you, Catherine, for that note. D shares, hello, Spencer and friends. Greetings from Florida. I've been listening for many months, and I'm so grateful for the wisdom and sharing in your podcast. My husband of almost 20 years is the alcoholic who has led me on a path to seek recovery. I wonder if an interesting show topic may be the many paradoxes in loving an addict. So often our natural reactions are contrary to what the program teaches us. What has struck me lately is that that in reacting to active alcoholic episodes, my natural reaction is to retreat, withdraw, and to be very sullen, sad, and unhappy. As I sat in the pew at church last Sunday and gazed at the Lord on the cross, my higher power, it occurred to me that these episodes may be the moments when my husband needs my love the most. Love, of course, brings many emotions, sometimes extreme ones. He is so very sick. And I love him, yet I'm supposed to detach, albeit lovingly. I'm still working on this. Clearly, my beloved is suffering deeply, and so am I. In my family group, we learned that those suffering from addiction typically only respond to the hardest of consequences. Everyday reason is not effective in the least. How then do I love this person in a way that will help to make him well? Tough love has never been my forte. The other kind is so much easier. So is indifference. At the same time, I know it is not in my power to make him well. It's so hard for me to resolve this because I know that my presence and influence do somewhat diffuse the potential outcome of many situations. Perhaps the answer lies in the fact that while I may be able to seemingly diffuse certain bad behaviors, the underlying disease is always crawling beneath the surface. I try to blame the disease and not the person, but since the behavior is clearly tied to the person, it's frustrating and disappointing as a wife and best friend. There came a point a few years back where I knew he absolutely could not think or act clearly, and as his partner I could only try to steer him in the direction of help, which by the grace of God actually happened, and he was sober for a while. He is relapsing, though, and I'm just so frustrated, disappointed, fearful, and tired of fighting. I just want everything to be okay. I want to trust and move forward. I want him to be well, and I want to be well. It's time to focus on the one thing I do have some control over, and that is my own reactions and behaviors. I'm living the serenity prayer right now. I've realized that while my husband is the sick one, I'm the one acting crazy, sneaking around, going to counseling, and feeling stressed so deeply that it manifests into physical ailments. I'm trying to give myself some grace. I pray for wisdom and healing for everyone out there living life this way. Thank you for doing the podcast. It really does help. Much love, D. Well, thank you for that heartfelt share. Um, And, you know, I see that in there you're, I mean, you're answering a lot of your questions, but you still have questions. How do you love? How do you love the person and hate the disease? How do you be of support without enabling? I think those those are maybe different ways of expressing those questions you've asked. What is detaching with love? For me, it was being there, being present being loving, but not acting to fix or control. And that's maybe easy to say, 
it was not easy to do. I did not always do it well. I don't think I ever did it perfectly. And yeah, I suppose if I had kicked my wife out of the house, I mean, her consequences would have been much more severe. I don't know whether she would have come to sobriety quicker or not. I can't know that. I won't know that. And I couldn't do it, you know. And I think it's all well and good to have these principles, to understand these principles, but we we all each have to apply them to our own situation and to the extent that we are able to. There were things I was able to do in letting go. There were things that I was not willing to do in letting go, at least not willing yet. Don't know. My wife relapsed many times, and it was very frustrating. It was very fear-provoking. And sometimes I just didn't know for a long time. I just didn't know if she was ever going to find long-term sobriety. And I know that, you know, for some people that doesn't happen. But relapse is not the end. Relapse is a process, and you can get through it. He can get through it. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I got right now. Thanks for writing, D. Jeff wrote about the talk by Randy Kay, which is episode 124, and you can find that at therecovery.show slash 124. Jeff writes, I just listened to Randy Kay's speech. I felt he was telling my story word for word. It wasn't until I heard it that my story makes sense. I'm so glad I found your podcast. Thanks, Jeff. And you just highlight one of the reasons that I like to bring lots of voices into the podcast when I can, whether it's somebody as a guest or sharing an open talk that I found, maybe found online or heard at a conference. Because as you say, you didn't understand your story until you heard it from him. And sometimes I don't understand parts of my story until I hear them from somebody else. I didn't understand, I don't understand parts of my wife's story until I hear it from somebody else. So yeah, I keep trying to bring in diverse voices because of exactly that. Heidi writes in response to a listener question in episode 265. Hi, Spencer. Thanks so much for your podcast. I enjoy it personally, and I recommend it to family, friends, and clients. I wanted to send feedback regarding the person who sent a question about infidelity. Dealing with infidelity is difficult. As a mental health and substance abuse counselor, infidelity can be a symptom of bipolar disorder or a sex addiction. The man may need an assessment and treatment. Treatment for bipolar slash mania may include medication. The National Association of Mental Illness is also a good resource for family members. I encourage family members who deal with infidelity to use 12-step skills and concepts as they teach detachment. Keep up the good work, Spencer. Heidi. Thanks for sharing your professional experience there, Heidi. Yeah, I hadn't thought about, you know, that there may actually be some mental illness involved there. Yeah, thanks. Susan responds to episode 265. She writes, I was a bit late getting to listen to the episode relating dementia to alcoholism, but found it very coincidental. In January, I rushed my 83-year-old mother to the ER. It has been a long year of hospital stays, rehab facilities, a move to assisted living, and finally hospice care, all very exhausting for our entire family. She passed just over a month ago. In recent years, her short-term memory had become almost non-existent, and she often wondered why she couldn't just move back home, forgetting that she had cancer and that her short-term memory made her incapable of managing her own medications, among many other reasons. There were two things that I kept in mind. One, accept the things you cannot change, her physical and mental condition, and two, 
that attempts to make her remember her diagnosis, prognosis, and disabilities were futile and frustrating for me. But as you discovered, recalling old times was very pleasant, and usually she remembered even small details. I used what time we had left to reminisce over old photos, play music that I knew made her happy, and extracting information about her childhood, long-lost relatives, and family history while I still could. We ended up having many lovely conversations until just days before she passed. I'm so completely grateful for the time we had together, and for the Al-Anon program, for giving me the tools to let go and let God during this challenging journey. Without the Al-Anon tools, I would have robbed myself of the gift of making the most of our last months together. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. That that is helpful. And you know, my mother, my mother is home. I'm here for my brother, who is the manager of her care these days, living in the home with my parents. And she has good days. She has bad days. Apparently, we don't know. You know, we don't know how much longer we'll have her. Uh, hopefully, for a while. My my prayer, I guess, is that I'll be able to to spend that time to have those good days, to have those conversations with both my parents. I'll be seeing them at Thanksgiving and uh, let you know. I'm sure I'll be talking about it right here. (laughs) It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Lucy, Eric, and Catherine did. And a thank you again, Lucy, Eric, and Catherine, for your contributions. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page, and if you order a book from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking one of the links will help us. It costs you nothing extra, and it helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, simply direct them to therecovery.show, or just listening. We are here for you. for listening and please keep coming back whatever your problems there are those among us who have had them too if we did not talk about a problem you are facing today feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode may understanding love and peace grow in you one day at a time